When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 148th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. An issue parents are facing everywhere because of the events of the past couple of years and social isolation especially, it's that it's taken a huge toll on our kids, no matter their age, especially their confidence. So how do we help them become bolder amidst the challenges of today's world? Our guest today gives actionable ideas for parents who are hoping to foster greater confidence in their kids and themselves. Fred Joyle is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and business advisor. He co-founded the most successful dentist referral service in the country, 1-800-DENTIST. He has previously written two books on marketing, has dabbled in stand-up and improv comedy, acted in bad movies and excellent TV commercials, His latest book, Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, was just released in October. He once beat Sir Richard Branson in chess and was also a question on Jeopardy. He is an avid cyclist, a below-average tennis player, and an even worse golfer. He lives in Los Angeles. So welcome, Fred Joyle. It's great to be on the show, Colleen. Look forward to uh, giving some value to your audience. Well, and I know you will. I'm looking at your book, Super Bold from Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. And it's just chock full of great practical advice. So thanks for writing it. It was a labor of love. And it's, you know, it's my purpose in life to really get this message out there, to teach people how to become bolder, I think, is, can be transformational in their life. It certainly was in mine. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, so why did you write Super Bold? I grew up as a really shy person, uh, like painfully shy, like couldn't introduce myself to someone, couldn't look people in the eye, couldn't ask a girl to dance or ask a girl out, uh, couldn't make a cold call when I was hired for a job that, that required it. And it really impaired me. And I missed tons of opportunities. And it got really frustrating and made me angry. And I, I watched bold people and I went, How, why are they like this? Are they born this way? And I realized I could teach myself how to do it and over many years taught myself. But then I also realized I could teach other people because I started actually talking to a group of, of young people, teens and college students, and explaining that boldness was a superpower 
And they said, yeah, but how? How do we do that? So I realized I had to break it down into a systematic way of doing this so that you can build your boldness muscle. And so that's what Super Bold is about. And it's also full of a lot of mindset thoughts that move you in the direction of, of harnessing your boldness, but also good social skills, conversational skills, what to do, what not to do, that a lot of people don't get taught. It's everything I wish I knew at 20 years old or even 30, a lot of it. So <laughs> yeah, that's what's yeah. in there. That's how it got started. And it's really resonated with a really wide range of people from from teens to, you know, uh, people. I went to my high school reunion and three or four of the, the guys read the book and they went, wow, this is, this is, I had, I thought I was doing all right, but I'm, I want to, I'm going to change all sorts of things. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Your book and your words and your information is very hopeful because I think a lot of people think that boldness is just a character trait that you are born with. And if you don't have it, you're just one of the people that are not bold. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's really a life skill. And I, I know you love neuroscience as of the foundation for changing behavior. And that's really what happens is when you practice boldness, you actually rewire your brain, you reprogram yourself to the point where shyness and hesitation are not your default mode. They are, they used to be, but those you atrophy that mode and develop new wide neural pathways to act boldly in most situations and eventually your your comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger because of it. yeah so let's go back to how would you define boldness why develop boldness and why is it a superpower the people who make all the difference in the world are the, the bold people the people who take risks who put themselves out there but anyone can learn how to build their confidence and boldness in a systematic way. It just, it just takes time and focus. What happens is you stop missing opportunities. You stop hesitating. And that's why you do it. You don't want to miss out on opportunities, relationships, fun, business skills. I mean, if you're not good at speaking in front of people, your career is going to be severely impaired. So you don't get to say, I hate public speaking, right? That is a baseline life skill going forward because you're going to have to make videos and people, they get completely daunted when they have to talk to a camera. It's worse than talking and you go like, it's just a camera, but they, they find it incredibly challenging. You need to develop the skill of talking even to a camera like it's your best friend, but you need to be able to get up on your feet present your ideas either to a customer or to an investor. If you're going to start a business, you're going to have to raise money. You got to be able to get up and talk with enthusiasm and clarity and energy and persuasiveness to get money. So there's, it affects every aspect of your life. And what happens is people go through life missing opportunities because they hesitated or they told themselves, oh, I could fail at this, or I could be embarrassed, or people would laugh, or I'll be humiliated. We, we're really great at coming up with all of these terrible things that are going to happen to us. Bold people don't experience that because they realize that most of the time, nothing bad actually ever happens. It's all in your head. 
And so they've trained themselves, they've reinforced their behavior. And of course, they succeed more. And even when they fail, they go, oh, that's, that's just more information rather than rejection, meaning I have to retreat back into my shell for all time. So boldness allows you to pursue your d- dreams and have a life without regrets. That's the baseline thing. And we don't know how much time we're going to have. So you got to get to it. You got to get to life starting today. Yeah. So did you interview people who were bold? I mean, there's some really interesting people who are really successful who started that way. A lot of people in Silicon Valley, for example, who were very much, you know, they were super nerds. So they were developing a business, but they couldn't raise money. They couldn't communicate the value of the business and they had to learn how to do it. And I met several people over the years that were extremely bold and very successful. And some of my friends were very successful at just meeting people and they were naturally bold. And so I was mining their behavior and trying to figure out what was going on. And then of course I listened to a lot of stuff, you know, from Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and people like that who talk about not just how to sell, but how to communicate effectively, persuasively, and how to let go of those limiting beliefs. So much of what is what inhibits you are these what I call barrier beliefs, the stuff we tell ourselves that is not true, that we believe. I'm not good at math. I can't dance. I can't sing. I mean, for some people, the list, this, this guy, they got a hundred things on it, right? Yeah. And none of them are actually true but they have told themselves it's true. It's not important whether you can dance or not doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to dance. There's nothing wrong with dancing badly, right? Everybody gets to dance. Children never go, I'm a terrible dancer. A three-year-old just dances in a circle and is having fun. We all need to dance like that. That's, that's what dancing is really about. We're, all, we're not going to get in the Russian ballet. That's not important. What's important is to be able to physically express yourself and enjoy it. Right. I, I love watching people dance badly on the dance floor, it's like with <laughs> wild enthusiasm, because everybody's looking going like, she doesn't care at all, or he doesn't care at all. It's way more guys who can't dance. So that's why I say he more than that. But so what if you don't have rhythm? So what? You're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset of like, I just can't do that. You're like, just try yeah, it. Uh, yeah, Go for it. I Do mean, it badly. Say the opposite. Say, uh, you know, it's like instead of saying I hate public speaking, say I love public speaking. I can't wait to get on stage. You know, just tell yourself the opposite. You'll be amazed at how fast it'll change. The more you say I hate uh, starting a sentence, the more you limit your life. And do you really hate it? I, I really have a lot of trouble with that word uh, yeah. when people use it, because I, I always challenge them. I say, do you actually hate it? Or you, does it just bother you a little bit? Cause hate's a really strong word. There's about there's two or three things you should hate Nazis, bullies, maybe fascists uh, in general. But other than that, like dial it back. Do you really hate it? Does tra- do you hate traffic or does it just bother you a little bit? Is it <laughs> ruining your entire day every day? <laughs> I hope not. Maybe you need to move if that's the case. Yes. But, you know, that language that we use, as you know, is so powerful and, and can be so inhibiting or so empowering. Right. Yeah. I'm a certified Jack Canfield trainer. So, ah. so I'm very familiar with what you're saying. 
I work with a lot of teens. And so there's this one girl who transferred to a, a school during COVID. And so she had the online school. And then when she basically got there, she just felt like she was outside of all the groups. And so she wants to be part of everybody, but she was holding herself back and she had a million excuses why you can't break into these groups now and like it's too late. And so, you know, with her, it's like switching it from, but what do you want? Yeah. A lot of times what you're afraid of is actually what you want to get good at, but because you want to really get good at it, you're afraid of failing because that would hurt a lot. So you don't try, which guarantees <laughs> that you won't <laughs> succeed. I mean, it's, it's this weird conundrum that we push ourselves into. There's deep in our programming, this hesitation, this shyness. I, you know, my, think of her as my niece, but she's my cousin's daughter. We were at a dinner on Christmas Day, this fabulous hotel. And she is about to start pastry school at Johnson & Wales. And the chef came out and started talking to somebody else in our group. There was about 15 of us. And I said, you should go talk to him. And she says, no, no, I can't do that. I said, no, no, you're going to cooking school. He is the chef. No, no, I, I can't. And she and I was like, no, come with me. I'll introduce you. She started to physically move away from me like I was going to drag her. So the, the idea of talking to this chef which is exactly what she needed to do and know how to be able to do. In her mind, she had told herself something bad was going to happen. And we don't even can't even define it a lot of times. It's a social terror of a sort. But what could have happened and would have most likely happened, we're terrible at calculating the odds of it actually happening. We're great at coming up with it, terrible at calculating the odds. That's a good point. Yeah. Because uh, it's like a 1% chance of it happening or less. I said, all that's going to happen is you're going to meet him and you're going to say, I really love the dinner. And he's going to say, thank you. What's your favorite part? And she's going to say, you know, I actually love the, the little desserts you brought out because I'm going to pastry school. And he could have said, wow, do you want to come into the kitchen and see how we do it? That's one thing he could have said. He's not going to say, why don't you go sit back down? right? And stop bothering me. He has come out to talk to us. He wants to brag about his food. He wants approbation for what he's doing, right? Yes. Or he could have said, really? She says, yeah. She could say, I'm, I'm going to Johnson & Wales. I'm starting in the pastry school. He could have said, if you want, we're always looking for interns during the summer. And, and you know, there's tons of work in the pastry department. If you want to come here next summer, I would love to have you. That's what could have happened. And that's what I mean about hesitation causing you to miss what could be pivotal opportunities. She could have started working in this hotel that next summer. That's what could have happened. And it was actually much more likely to happen than him saying, get out of my face. Right. That, I mean, right there would be an amazing tool for moms like, so like if your daughter is saying, I don't want to try out for a golf team is helping them calculate the odds and just say, well, what could happen? Like you could miss the golf ball, but what else could happen? And what else could happen? Because I think the traps that I think moms fall into is that we try to talk them into it ourselves. 
and yes. say, no, you, I mean, you can get in, it's just important for you to do. And then the teen spends all their energy telling the mom why it won't work. But if you ask your teen, so what else could happen? What's the best thing that could happen? Let's say if in your wildest dream, what's the best thing that could happen? Okay. Why wouldn't that happen? Uh, yeah, that's a great or, question. Or even the golfing. It's like, what's the best thing that could happen? I would hit one amazing drive. Okay. Most golfers hope to do that once every 18 <laughs> holes. Okay. So why not do a happy Gilmore a couple of times instead and run at the ball and swing at it? Why not entertain people with how bad you are? I personally am a terrible golfer, but people <laughs> love to golf with me because I, I make it a good time because I'm terrible at it. But I'll make one good putt <laughs> the whole 18 holes and they'll go, wow, that was pure luck. I went, absolutely. You know, but yes. we're out walking around on a big lawn. That could be it. Just I'm having a great day with my friends out on a golf course, admiring other people's technique. You know, you forget to go. It's so important for us to be perfect. This is the other real trap is we're not going to attempt anything until we're perfect at it. Right. Right. Which nobody who's successful started off as perfect. They sucked at it. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. You, you have to embrace sucking. Uh, in order to get anywhere in life, you have to be willing to be bad at something in front of people and go, this isn't a big deal. I'm just a beginner. I started snowboarding last week and I set, I think I set the slope record for number of falls in a single run. It was, I mean, it was at a certain point I was just lying there and there were several other people just lying down because you fall so much when you're learning, but it's a whole paradigm for life. It's like, you have to be bad at it until you find <laughs> your balance and then you're going to get good at it and then you're going to get better at it. And it's fun the whole way. If you just lie back and go, wow, I have just fallen backwards, forwards and backwards without actually <laughs> snowboarding at all. That's pretty funny. I have to get better than this, right? Because that was ridiculously bad. And gradually you do. But this, this, per this perfectionism is an incredible restriction and impairment psychological impairment to such an incredible high degree because we don't want to appear bad in public at something right. and in the and what bold people do is they go like i'm going to be bad until i'm good i'm going to embarrass myself because they've chosen to actually not take on embarrassment as something bad it's actually something entertaining right yes, and, yes. you know like i'm saying right now I was a terrible snowboarder. You know, when I was 20, I wouldn't have tried it because I couldn't have been perfect at it right away. Other people would have laughed at me. And I always go like, what are the people? <laughs> do, we, do you even know them? Do they actually know you? What's wrong with entertaining them? You know, if they're, if they're laughing at you, maybe you brighten their day. It doesn't yes. mean you're a bad anything. It just means you're trying. Be the person who tries. Yes. Well, it, that just brought back a memory. I think I was 18 years old and I was playing guitar and I wanted to sing a song that I had written in front of a group of like 200 other teens. And I was like, so, so nervous. And I got up in front of the group and I burped and the burp <laughs> <laughs> went through the whole microphone and, and I just died laughing and everybody else started laughing. And after that, I sang amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you get to release it. This is what the perfectionist pursuit misses, is that everybody else just wants to see that you're a regular person like them, a flawed individual just trying stuff out. They will admire you for trying stuff out and not being good at it. It's like, have you ever been to a karaoke bar? I mean, <laughs> 90%, they hate it when somebody's good at singing, right? Because it ruins the whole day because they're like, oh, you're, you're like Mariah Carey. Just get off the stage. I want to get up there and sing fairly badly, but I want to sing my favorite song. I want my two friends to back me up badly. That's what a karaoke bar is. And it's, it's like, it's a great paradigm for how to embrace the fun of not being good at something and just enjoying it. And knowing that perfectionism is a dead end most of the time. And, and hey, if you're perfect, that doesn't endear you to people necessarily. It kind of does right. the opposite. Because mm -hmm. they, now they feel inadequate compared to you. Why, why do you want to make people feel that way? Yeah. So. yeah. so what is the pride method? And you said that neuroscience kind of proves that the pride method works. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So it's a step-by-step -step method to first of all do the exercises in the book because what there are are five levels of exercises to gradually expand your comfort zone and build your boldness muscle and they start very basic they start non-verbally and they'll work you up at, at a steady pace uh, controlling the intensity of the experience and that's part of it that's part of the pride method as well so let me break it down but Pride is an acronym, stands for preparation, relaxing, insight, dosage, and everyday action. So it, let's take a social interaction where you're going to meet somebody. You're going to introduce yourself somebody in the Starbucks line. What you're going to do is you're going to prepare what you say. You, you don't just go, I'm going to look at them and hope I come up with something. Take a few seconds and go, what are you going to say? How about complimenting them on something great glasses that you have or, or that purple hair looks great or where did you get that jacket it's amazing or that suit looks terrific on you so you've prepared something there's two things that preparation do it helps to relax you but it also it creates the foundation for being spontaneous because you got something to say as a start and it allows you to start. It allows you to begin. You don't have to shove yourself into a social situation going, I hope I come up with something. You've got something. And then you may walk up to them about to compliment their somebody's eyeglasses. And then you notice this beautiful necklace and you go, oh, my gosh, where did you get that necklace? Right. But you were ready. You had something. You had a, a bullet in the gun, so to speak. So preparation is so important. And we don't teach ourselves, nobody teaches us how to socially interact in these very basic ways. Second step, R, relaxing. You can relax yourself. People always would say to me, why, why don't you just relax? It's like, why don't you just tell me how, <laughs> right? And then I realized over years, as I got into public speaking, there are very specific, simple techniques for relaxing yourself. You check your physiology. And you just relax it, you know, because we tense up. We'll, we'll put, you know, we'll stop breathing. We'll, we'll tighten all our muscles. Just look at your body. Are your arms crossed? What are you doing? Relax. Just shake it out. Let it go. Let that tension energy go. And then breathe. Take two or three deep breaths. When I go on stage, I actually do a thing called, I stimulate the vagus nerve, 
which is I make a aha sound. I hold that really long and it vibrates this nerve and it physically relaxes you. And when you relax yourself, you realize you can relax yourself. It's like what happened when you burped and everybody laughed. You suddenly relaxed. Now you were yourself again. Just like when you're anxious, somebody goes, what are you so nervous for? Now you're twice as nervous because they noticed you were anxious, right? Yes. You, when you dial your anxiousness down, you go, oh, I can control this. So you've done that. Now, the third step, which is really important, is insight. And there are so many of them. I put a lot of them in my book. But one of the basic ones is people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. It's yeah. so important to understand that because we all think they're all thinking about us. They're not. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they're thinking about you. And part two of the insight is, are they right? Do they actually know you? It's just like when somebody calls you, you know, you're in the car and somebody cuts you off and you go, what a jerk. Is that guy actually a jerk or is he just somebody in a hurry? Or just somebody not paying attention or just a bad driver. It could be anything, but it, you didn't make him a jerk. And, and he doesn't, if he heard you yell out the window, Hey, you're driving like a jerk. Is he going to go, oh, oh my gosh, I'm a jerk. I had no idea. And then feel bad about himself the rest of his life. No. So, so stop taking on the opinions of people who don't know you. It's, yes. a, it's a really powerful insight. And the other thing, one of the big things is, like I talked about earlier, is that bold people know this, is that 99% of the time, nothing bad happens. And it's never bad unless you label it bad. Failure is not bad. It's only bad if, you, if it sends you back in your shell. Failure is full of information about how to yeah. get better. That's how yeah. we learn to walk and talk and ski and, and, and everything play an instrument. It's all, you know, nobody sounds good on a violin in the first three months. <laughs> that was awesome. Like nothing is bad unless you label it bad. That's like huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. I love yeah, that. It's, it's such, and there, there are more insights that I put in the book, but it's when you have these, it's flips your thinking. You realize I'm telling myself stuff that's not true. And because we do it all the time. And we got to catch ourselves with that voice. I call him Dr. No, that voice in our head is wrong and it won't shut up. So you just have to ignore it, right? Just realize, don't, don't listen. It's going to be there and it's coming. It's full of biases and all sorts of misinformation and judgments and fears and everything. Sure. Go. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not, it's not going to guide my behavior. Yes. The, the next step, the D is dosage, controlling the, intensity of that experience as you increase your boldness you're not if, if you're trying to learn how to meet people don't go up to a party of 300 people that you don't know right you're going to spend the night in the bathroom right hiding from people so go to somewhere where or, or if you're learning to public speak don't start with 200 people go to toastmasters everybody's there to support you and let you not be good at it till you get better at it. And they're going to go, you could do this, but that was good. We loved it when you said this and, and you get a little reinforcement and some good criticism, but you didn't die. You didn't make it so that you froze. This is what we do is when we don't control the dosage, we freeze up, we hesitate. Yes. And this is deep in our autonomic system, right? To yes. when we're going to, we put ourselves in psychological danger, which we have the same physical reaction to physical danger 
is psychological danger. An autonomic system steps in. Cognitive skills are impaired. Memory's impaired. Breathing tightens up. Body tightens up. Wrong chemicals squirting everywhere in the body, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you, that's why you control the dosage, and that's what the exercises are about. It's staging you up little by little. Just start by smiling at people. Then introduce yourself to people. Then do these little exercises where you're actually aiming to fail, even with smiling at people. But one of the exercises is smile at everybody you meet until somebody doesn't smile back. Yes. And then don't take it on. It's like, don't say, oh, they must hate me, right? Or I must look funny or something like that. No, you have no idea how bad their day is going or that they don't smile at anybody or they have terrible teeth. Could be any number <laughs> of reasons. So the exercise is about aiming for the fail of not getting a smile back and then not taking it on. That's great. And so it's all doing those things. And all of a sudden you, you, you start to say, oh, well, things are different. Another thing I have people do when nothing bad happens, if you see a sign that says employees only, go in. <laughs> nothing bad will happen to you. No one will beat you to death on the other side, right? No one will arrest you. But if our brain is going, I can't go in. It says employees only. I can't go in. I'm not an employee. I, if I've done it. I go in and 99% of the time, nobody says anything because the only thing keeping you out is the sign, right? Nobody's there to police it inside. Yes. And it's just an exercise. You're not harming the world. You're not walking into a jewelry store and, and taking stuff and trying it on and reaching behind the counter. That's not boldness. That's thievery, right? So you're just doing something. And if, even if they say, somebody says, uh, uh, excuse me, this is for employees only. My response would be, I am an employee, just not here. Um, and then leave, right? But the lesson is, I didn't die, right? Yes. I thought something bad was going to happen. And it was a total fantasy. Nothing bad actually happened in that situation. And once you do it, all of a sudden, these neural pathways start to go. And it's fun. You smile at a dozen people in the course of a day and, and 11 smile back. That feels pretty darn good. You do a what I call a throwaway compliment to somebody you meet in the grocery line or the Starbucks line or something like that, and you just do a, a compliment to them with no agenda, not expecting to meet them or anything. It's like just that outfit just looks great on you. I just wanted to let you know that. And then you're gone. What'd you do? You made somebody feel better about themselves. Guess who else feels better? You. When yes. you do these little drive-by compliments and people love it because they sense you have no ulterior motive. They, you, you do it without any motive beyond just a little generosity, being a little voice of upliftment to somebody else. Yes. So in terms of dosage, I think this is something that you're talking about is like, so if a girl's a junior in high school, she doesn't go up to the popular senior girl table and try to be friends with them. She might talk to someone that is like a sophomore or someone that is, you might think is a little bit more nerdy or they're not threatening at all. You, you start with that person. Like, like how does this apply for teens and like, how can shy kids make friends? Find the other shy kid in the room, <laughs> go talk to him. That, I do that at parties. Now I, I love to, I pick out the wallflower and I go talk to him or I go talk to her. 
because I see, I know, I know what they look like because I used to be them. I know all <laughs> their behaviors, right? They're looking at the record collection or their books and, you know, they've been in the bathroom four times and they haven't had anything to drink or that's all they're doing is, is having another drink. I single them out I, and I go talk to them and I'll, I'll even say, look, I, I feel like I'm the shyest person in the room. I just wanted to say hi to somebody. I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to stand next to you. And they go, no, I'm the shyest person in the room. You're the, <laughs> you get to be the second shyest. And, you, and all of a sudden, something happens. And hey, so if, if I always, there's a great movie that's really old called Meatballs about <laughs> with Bill Murray and about summer camp. And one of the things he said, the kid that he was sort of mentoring, is he said, if you make one good friend all summer, consider yourself lucky. That's really what it's about. It's not about being accepted by everyone. It's not about everybody isn't going to love you. That's a lot of work, right? right. Uh, guess I don't care how famous you are. Everybody doesn't love you. In fact, the more famous you are, the more detractors you get, the more haters you accumulate. Ask Taylor Swift. She'll tell yes. you, right? So it's about where are you having a real connection with a few people? Even though I was shy in high school, I had great friends because we were tight we were uh, we got to know each other really well yes and, and everybody knew I was a good friend because that was more important I, I may be a good friend of four people they may not be the most popular people but what I was was eventually somebody that moved through the world that people saw wow he he acts like he belongs everywhere this is this to me is like the number one mantra you can tell yourself that will change everything. I belong everywhere. Mm, and it's good. a real hard to, thing to adjust to. Yeah. This is exactly how bold people behave all the time. It doesn't matter if they're meeting the JLo or the president or Justin Bieber or the head of the football team or any of those things. They have told themselves and they are, they don't have to remind themselves, but you have to, if you don't feel that way, you have to say, I belong here. I, wherever I am, I belong because I'm a human being just like everybody else. You may be, be the only person in a, not wearing a tuxedo at an event. Doesn't matter. It's just clothing. And you could say, they lost my suitcase. I got to wear this, or I didn't get the memo. But I just I just really wanted to be here and meet people. You guys all look fantastic. And, I, I, you know, there's no way I'm going to blend in. But I just wanted to say hi. And it's like, but I belong. You're, you're just radiating. I belong here. And that's what I talk about when I talk about charisma, getting to the point of having charisma. Charisma is just that, is you radiate that wherever you are, you feel like you belong there. And people can see that. they You have so much confidence that you are worthy, that people are drawn to it magnetically. It's not some weird magical thing that stars have, okay? It is merely that you have told yourself what is actually true is that you are worthy. People, you are interesting, not interesting to everybody in every way, but people will find interesting things about you and you will find interesting things about other people and that will be part of your superpower is you'll be so interested in other people that that's all you'll do is find out who they are and what's interesting about them and then they'll think you're interesting 
even though they didn't learn anything about you. I've done that so many times where people go, Fred is so interesting. And I'll laugh and go like, all I do is ask him questions about themselves. Like they, they, don't, they don't know anything about me. They don't know my last name, right? Um, but, but that's what happens. That's what being charismatic is inviting people in and making them feel good about themselves. And that's I a, a life it. skill. I love it. So everything that I've read in this book, I think is relatable to parents but also teens. I think teens can read this book because it's super practical and they can relate it definitely to high school and, or middle school. And yeah. it's great information. So I, I would encourage you moms to get this book and for yourself and for your teens, because like, I, I really like how you define boldness or confidence. It really is everything. And I think Maybe a misconception of boldness is that you're kind of that arrogant person that is above everybody else and kind of is the like plows through hundreds of people kind of person. But I love your definition of the the charismatic part. It's it's exact opposite, really. Yes. Right. It's not about getting above people or this person's a show off or this person needs and craves attention and stuff like that. This isn't about that. This is about you want to chase your dreams. You don't want to miss opportunities. You don't want to have regrets because you hesitated. You didn't step up. You didn't speak up. There are going to be times in your life, like again, like my niece, when if you just spoke up, everything could flow from that moment. I have had pivotal moments in my life where I was bold. And that's kind of why I forced myself to become more bold is the times I, I actually was the very few times incredible things flowed from it. Like I, right. I can look back and 30 years of things have flowed from it, but yeah, it's, and as, as a parent, it's you, you can't force a lot of this understanding, but you can say, you know how shy you feel. Sometimes the guy who wrote this book was five times shyer than you. And look at look at where he got himself, and you can do it much faster. I think you might find this interesting because that's part of what I lay out in the book. Is like you were in bad shape. I'll go item by item, incident <laughs> by incident, with you on on opportunities I missed and places where I hesitated. Where the rest of my life, I look back and go, really, I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't said that. Right. Because yeah. you don't want to end your life saying I should have done. You don't want to end that sentence with anything. Yes. Because yes. life goes by. Life, go, you know, when you're young, you feel like you're going to live a thousand years. Guess what? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, you're giving us a lot of great advice. Is there any more advice you want to give the moms before we wrap this up? One of the really important things is, and it relates to dosage. And I think part of why I became so shy is my mom was so bold. She was a real world beater. Because she had to be. She had to get her other son through polio. She had to, she was the first insurance salesperson, uh, female in our state. She, you know, she was her own feminist movement in the workforce, really. And she just was always pushing me in too deep into my discomfort zone. She just said, like, this is this is what she had to do. So she had all the neural pathways. She couldn't understand why. I wasn't that way. She was always forcing me to retreat deeper into my shell. 
Don't worry about your kid so much. Give them the room. Let them control the dosage and the intensity of the experience. Don't make them, oh, you need to go. Go, go talk to those people, okay? They, they can't talk to those people yet. They don't know. You say, well, who would be interesting for you to talk to? Who do you think needs to be talked to the most? Who do you think would like to meet somebody? Who looks lonely in this room or shy in this room? Why don't you go talk to them? I remember when I, I went to University of Arkansas for an MFA in painting and drawing. And the first person I met, I said, well, let's go play tennis. And, you know, she looked younger than me. And I, I played with lots of guys, and I felt like I was a pretty good tennis player. But as we started to play, I, she was, like, amazing. And I got worse and worse and worse <laughs> and worse and worse. And I, then I couldn't, like, even hit the tennis ball over the net. And then I found out she was number one on Arkansas's tennis team. <laughs> yeah, but hey, let's play. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Like that, so, yeah. So in terms of, of dosage, if if it's way out of your comfort, if it's too far out there, like you just shut down. I just shut down, and I felt like I can't even I can't even play tennis. Yeah, I mean, you don't stick yourself in in front of a room without having prepared and try to do a, a 30 minute PowerPoint presentation, if you've never done it before without practicing it in front of your team, let's say if, if you're at work or whatever. I mean, and that's one of the, that's the other thing that, that in, we, we hate to practice in front of people. It's the perfectionist thing again, right? We yeah. can't, so we never, we never practice. We're so afraid of feedback. See, this is this is one last point I want to drive home. One of the greatest gifts of boldness is you become comfortable taking feedback. Mm, I agree. Because feedback is how you get better. Praise is wonderful, but teaches you nothing, right? It makes you feel better. When you're bold enough to say, okay, where was I not good? Or I got to be bold enough to not be good at this. So I can, so I can figure out why I'm not as good. You know, just me going down the hill. I got to keep falling till I figure out how to stand up on this dang snowboard. <laughs> how do I find my center of balance? It's you find your center of balance in life by being comfortable, accepting feedback and not taking it personally, taking it as generosity, inviting it from someone to say, I'm trying to get better. So just tell me, and I may cry after you tell me, but I need you to tell me anyway, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to absorb it. And it's, and it's a gift you're going to give me. So I'm asking for it. And it's a bold, bold move, but it will transform everything in your life. Mm. Preach. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right. So how can people contact you? Where can they find Superbolt? So it is because I'm self-published, you won't find it in bookstores, uh, but you can get the hardcover. You can get anything from Amazon. You can get the Kindle or the Audible or the hardcover. It is me reading the book. And if you read the digital version, you can download a PDF of the exercises on my website, fredjoyle.com. And you can also download the first chapter there because I want you to have the exercises physically 
So you, to be able to print them out, it's, if you're listening to the book, that's great. A lot more people read digitally than they do in hardcover. I love it when they have the hardcover because they it becomes a reference manual because this is a book about doing stuff. This is not a book about, oh, these are all great ideas. I love them. This is about, these are great ideas. I love them. And there's a whole bunch of things I got to do. And there's a whole journal that you're going to keep as you do the exercises because you want to reflect on your progress. You're going to feel the difference. When you do the exercises in order, you will sense that something in you is shifting because you've controlled the dosage of the intensity. By the way, the last step is everyday action. The E in pride is you want to work on your boldness every day. That's what's going to work. That's what's going to make all the difference. Just like anything else, you want to get good at something, do it every day. You want something to change, work on it every day. You want to eat right, eat right every day. You want to exercise in shape, do something physical every day. Get off your butt. <laughs> you know, uh, and so everyday action is part of the prescription because what you do every day aggregates to something. What you don't get to every day disintegrates and years go by, decades go by, and we don't have the energy and the strength we thought we once had. All we have are regrets. I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to be bold. I want you to seize life. I want you at the end of your life to go, I didn't play it safe at all. And it was amazing because of it. Man, I feel like running around the block like three times with my arms up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is very encouraging. Thank you so much, Fred. And this has been great. You gave me some things to think about. So, Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I really like getting this message out to young people because this was so much what I wanted to know and nobody knew how to tell me this. At, yeah. as a teenager or in college. Well, great. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.